Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. And all of God's people said amen. Come on now, y'all can do better than that. Everybody shout amen. All right, you may be seated. God bless you. We enter into this time of the season where we start to talk a lot about being thankful. I was thinking the other day as I was working on this message, is, is why do we only talk about being thankful in November? We talk about Christ's birth in, in December. We talk about the resurrection at Easter time. And it was, kind of, it was kind of funny as I began to think, Brother Dave. It was interesting as I began to think about it that all throughout Scripture, especially through the Psalms, you see over and over and over and over again that we're to enter into His courts with thanksgiving. We're to praise Him. We're to adore Him. We're to all these things. And yet we, we come to this time of the season and maybe we gather our children together and we start talking about what we're thankful for. At Christmas season, we, uh, we do it as pastors. We do it in churches. We say we're going to read the Christmas story. No, no, no. It's the story of His birth. Man, we ought to be talking about that every week. We ought to be talking about that all the time. And so I was this week, I, I was writing this sermon and been working on it for a couple of weeks, been thinking about this this week leading up to Thanksgiving. And I, I started to ask myself the question, Mark, are you truly thankful? I think that I am. I think that I'm, th- I many of you believe that you're thankful? You honestly believe I'm a thankful person. I mean, I begin to kind of survey some of the things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my, my grandson. I'm thankful for uh, my, my in-laws, my mom. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for Northridge Church. I'm thankful for what I see God doing already uh, in our midst. I'm thankful, and, and I can go through and survey all of these things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for authentic friends. I'm thankful for people who make me want to be better. I'm thankful for uh, the time that I get to sit in the woods and deer hunt and, and the times that I know that my son is just across the other side of the knoll and he's deer hunting. I'm thankful for when I kill a deer and he don't. And I, all those things, I'm thankful for those things. And I'm also thankful even for some of the difficulties in my life. But as I was surveying those things, I was kind of kind of write down all the things that I'm thankful for and, and maybe even give you an opportunity. It kind of even went through my mind to give an open mic, and, and, and I thought, well, that would be entirely crazy because somebody might be visiting that day and come down and be thankful for something that would freak us all out, so we're never going to do that. But having said that, I want to talk to you today, and I want you to give me some liberty. I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the ugliest words in the English language, one of the words that we don't talk about, one of the words that we don't say. It might even be deemed as a curse word word in your home, so I want you to give me a little bit of liberty here today. All the mamas in the house just drew up and went, what is he about to say? But the word today that I want to talk to you about is ungrateful. I think it's a nasty word. I think it's a terrible word. In fact, I think it's one word that we don't talk a lot about. Now, mamas and dads, we'll do that with our kids. We'll look at them and say, why are you so ungrateful? But it's not some commonplace vernacular that we use in and around the job place. It's typically not something we use even with husband and wife. And it's very rarely, if ever, something that we ever admit about ourselves. But I want, I want you to hear this. I'm going to make a declaration this morning and say this to you. That if... You are thankful, but you have not declared that openly to someone. Thankfulness undeclared is ungrateful. If you don't tell people that you're thankful for them, if you don't tell somebody you're thankful for that, then in essence, hear me, what you're saying to them is that you're ungrateful for that thing. Would you agree to that? Would you give me that much this morning? Because I believe that as we go across and look at our lives, that we're very ungrateful people. I've done a lot of marriage counseling since uh, I came into the ministry in, in, in 2000. 
Because most of you know my testimony of getting uh, us into the ministry was a difficult time in our own life, our own home, and our, and our own family. And, and I would like to think coming out of that that I'm a very grateful person for my family, for my wife, for, for the sanctity of marriage. I'm very thankful for that. We talk about that a lot, so I'd like to think I'm thankful about that. But there's a lot of times that I don't look at people and say, hey, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this. And so with that, I want to kind of talk to you today about the necessity of being grateful, not just in November, but being grateful all the time, being grateful as we go through life. Why? Because here's the thing. I've never seen a grateful person who is unhappy. I've never seen a happy person who is ungrateful. There's a direct correlation between happiness and being grateful. Now, we talk a lot in here about joy. I've said this to you many, many times if you've ever heard me preach. I tell you that joy and thankfulness are two different things. Joy and happiness, I say, is two different things. Why? Happiness is based on happenings and occurrences in your life. That's a good way to remember it. And everything that happens in our life is not great. Therefore, we're not going to walk around always being jovial and happy. But I submit to you that joy comes from the Lord. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is knowing who you are in Christ despite or even in the midst of problems that the life can offer you but if I'm thankful if I'm grateful then I believe with all of my heart that I can walk a life a little more happy here's our here's our idea today thanksgiving allow thanksgiving to be the posture of your heart and not merely a date on a calendar because ingratitude can shut down entire relationships let me say that again let today thanksgiving not a date on a calendar. Be the posture of your heart. Thanksgiving, giving thanks. Be more than a date on the calendar. Why? Because ingratitude can and will shut down entire relationships in your life. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn with me to Luke 17. I do a lot of missions, and I do a lot of serving in the community, and there's things many of you do as well, but I've, I've oftentimes put myself in a situation where I've spent a lot of money to go overseas. I've, I've raised money for a missions trip. I, I've worked very hard. I've lost sleep. I've got on the plane early in the morning. I've traveled all this distance. Uh, I, I stay in a, maybe a bad hotel. The food is not what I like. I do all of these things. Getting to a point of reference where we go out and we serve in a community and we bring ourselves to the point of reference where we got this makeshift table. Oftentimes it's a piece of plywood. Sometimes it's a brick wall. And we're giving people food and, and and we're handing it out, and I'm sweating, and I mean, things are crazy. I've left home. I've left comforts. I've worked all this way only to give somebody a meal and, and then look back at me and say, hey, that all you got? Or they look at me and say, hey, well, what about this? Can I have more? And it's an ungrateful spirit. And I want you to hear me today because what that doesn't do for me is prompt more generosity on my, my behalf. When they become ungrateful, and, and you know this too, it's true even maybe locally. Maybe you've done something. Maybe you've went to someone's house. i never forget one time Dad told me that at Thanksgiving with Families Feeding Families, that, that Dad took a Thanksgiving meal to a guy, and he got to his house, and you know Dad was kind of already emotional, and, 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 and things were kind of just in, in, inside of him because he was that guy. He was that kid coming up that would not have had a Thanksgiving meal. It wouldn't have been a family occasion for my father. 
So he had a lot of emotion going on as he went to this guy's house. And, and when he showed up to the guy's house, the man lived alone. And there happened to be a couple other people. And they were sitting outside by a fire because this was early in the morning because they didn't have heat inside. It was kind of a trailer type thing. And, and he walked up to him and he was so excited about this huge meal, this turkey and this dressing and, and the greens and the dessert and a gallon of tea. And he, and he walked up and he said, I mean, he, he told me, he said, I was already crying. And he said, I, I want you to know we love you and we want to bless you with this meal. And the guy said, you can just put it over there. Never even said thank you. If gratitude builds generosity, then ingratitude makes us not want to be generous. You, you probably experienced the same thing. Have you ever done something for your kids and they didn't come up to you and say thank you? Or have you ever done something for your kids and they, here's another terrible, nasty word in our, in our vernacular. Have you ever done something for your kids or for somebody else and you felt like they had this sense of entitlement as if you owed them what you just did for them? See, some of y'all just got fired up, didn't you? Why? Because ingratitude, watch this, it can destroy entire relationships. Let's go to God's Word and see what he says about this. Of course, this is Luke's gospel. Luke, of course, is speaking in the presence of perspective, I should say, of the humanity of Christ. It's Christ's humanity. So you see a lot of things dealing with our human nature. And you see that even here in Luke's gospel, chapter 17. Begin reading in verse 11. And we're going to throw the scriptures up there if you don't have your Bible. If you do, I'd encourage you to turn there. You know this story. You probably heard it when you're in vacation Bible school. It's, it's often an easy verse to throw out in the context of not being thankful and ingratitude. So I want to read this to you if I may. <clears throat> Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. And it came to pass, as he, speaking of Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst, or the word there would be the border of Samaria and Galilee. If, if you want to pull something out of that, there's something to pull from that particular passage, is that he was skirting the people. He was kind of walking through the borders because Jesus, everywhere he went, people flocked to him. People always wanted to know what he had to say. People always wanted to know what he was doing. At this particular time, he's kind of him walking through the border, if you will, of Galilee and Samaria. Remember, Samaria was, were not Jews. They were an outcast. Oftentimes, many of those folks were half breeze, if you will. And so he's kind of skirting the two people, and he's walking in the middle of the two. Verse 12, and as he entered into a certain village, there he met 10 men that were lepers who stood afar off. Now keep in mind, lepers were unceremonially clean. They were ostracized from the general public. These men could not have had a relationship. They could not have had uh, entrance into the synagogue. They couldn't have had worship. They wouldn't have had a Thanksgiving meal if one existed. If they sit down in a chair and someone came behind them and sit down, they could be unceremonially clean as well. All of these things happened when they went into some cultures. They had to ring a bell and say, Tom A, Tom A, which literally in that language meant unclean, unclean. They had to announce themselves walking into a group of people. So if you notice here, and it's really cool how, how Jesus unfolds this, as he entered into a certain village, there were 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They knew not to approach anybody. They knew that it could be punishable by death. In verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master Adonai, have mercy on us. In verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, got to understand what was going on here. First of all, a priest was the only person who could deem a leper clean. 
If a leper was a leper, he was placed out in a colony with other lepers. So there's really three reasons. You don't have to take notes on this. There's three reasons why Jesus told him to go to the priest. One is because he knew that he was about to heal him. And you see a faith here because he says, go and tell yourself, show yourself to the priest. Because they knew in their culture that if they went and showed themselves to the priest, he could look at them and inspect them. And he could declare them clean and they could be entered back into society. So that was the first reason. Secondly, he was wanting them to have going faith. He was wanting them to go at his word. Faith is truly this measure, guys. Faith is God spoke something in my life and I'm going to start walking in that belief system. I'm not going to stand back here. Listen to me, church. Listen very carefully. Carefully. When God says something to you and you say amen, you are saying out loud, let it be so as you have said. So when we go in faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidences of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. So when he said, go and tell yourself, show yourself to the priest, it was the literal translation is, as you go, you're going to be healed. I think the church needs to hear that today, that God is saying to you, as you go, don't think that it's going to happen with you sitting right where you're sitting, doing right what you've been doing. You know the old adage, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. I think it's time we start walking in faith, don't you? The third reason, and I love this, if we study scripture, we study culture, the priests were not at all impressed by Jesus' methodology. They weren't at all impressed with who Jesus was. In fact, he was somewhat of a threat to their way of life if you want to really get down to the brass tacks of it. He was giving them a new message of hope, Tim. So what he was doing was, hey, number one, I'm about to heal you. I want you to go and do what the culture uh, necessitates, which is go to the priest. He'll declare you clean. Secondly, I want you to start walking in faith. And thirdly, he was fishing to blow the minds of these priests. Why? Because in that day, there was no healing measure for leprosy. We see where Jesus had healed lepers in several occasions, touching them in their arm, becoming clean. Can you imagine what these men must have felt as they begin to walk to the place to go tell? As they're walking, they start to feel feeling in their feet again. Scales begin to fall off of their arm. They look at one another and go, hey, man, your face is no longer white and scaly. I mean, all these things happening. So by the time they got to the priest, hear me, man, they're ready to rock and roll. They're ready to stand in front of him and say, hey, we have all been clean. See, I don't believe the priest had ever run into an occasion like that, do you? Maybe one or two at a time. Never 10 at a time. At the same moment in time were 10 people cleaned at once. It would have had to have been certain, even by the priest of the day, Bill, that Jesus was really something to be reckoned with. Let's read on. I love this. Let me, let me back up. Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, underline that, that as they went, they were cleansed. I love that. Verse 15, this is our verse. And one of them, how many were there? There were 10, weren't there? One of them, he saw that he was healed. He turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't a Jew. He was a half-breed. He was a nobody. In that culture, he couldn't have even approached a priest. For he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, in verse 17, I'll finish reading through 19. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found, but they return to give glory to God. Save this one stranger. 
And in verse 19, here's the big crescendo. Here's the big point of reference. Here's that big aha moment of what that one got that the nine missed. They were healed. Don't miss that. He didn't make them sick again. They were healed. But don't miss verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise and go your way, for your faith has not only healed you, but your faith has made you complete. Your faith has made you whole. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the one that went back. Help me today to be that one that if no one else gives you the honor and the glory and the praise for you alone are worthy, if no one else goes back, if 99 keep walking in their faith, God, let me turn back and give you the honor and the glory that you're so richly due. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody said amen. I want to give you three quick things today that I believe can help you in becoming grateful. Number one, I think that you should be thankful in all times. Psalms 34 and verse 1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall, say it with me, continually. Y'all say that with me again. His praise shall continually, say it one more time, shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. I mean, don't misinterpret that. Don't just take that and walk away and go, hey, I'm going to bless the Lord when things are going great. I'm going to bless the Lord when I got a promotion. I'm going to bless the Lord when the kids are asleep and me and the hubby are sitting by a fireplace and things are awesome and we're watching a great. You know, it's easy. It's easy to praise God when everything is lining up perfect. But, Tim, can you praise the Lord, hear me, when all hell has turned over in your home and in your life? Because the psalmist, let me say this, the psalmist was a man associated with great pain and loss. And here's what he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, perpetually be in my mouth. You know what I believe? I believe we need to praise him. We need to give him thanks. Even in the mishaps of our lives, I think we need to praise him in life's mess-ups. As I share with you many times, and not to go back through that terrible ordeal in our home. But in 1999, as my world turned upside down, one would ask, what would you have to be thankful for when your whole world is collapsing all around you? What's there to be thankful of? I mean, it almost makes you become cynical. And maybe if you're sitting here today, you're sitting there going, but Mark, you don't don't really understand where I am right now. You don't really understand what's going on in my life right now. But check this out. Can I tell you something? You also don't know where I was in 1999. I wasn't a pastor. I was in the military. I thought I had life by the throat. And then all of a sudden, my whole world imploded around me. And and, and what? I'm going to stand up and go, God, praise your holy name. Thank you for everything that's going on in my life. Not the thing that came out of my mouth. But see, the psalmist is saying, oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's what we ought to do. He was a man associated with pain and loss and hurt. Look at that we can't fathom. So if he says that, he has the right to say that. So how do we do that? Sometimes, hear me, sometimes we don't praise him until we come out of it. But I want you to hear me loud and clear, church. Check this out. Y'all stare a hole through me because this will set your life in a different path. If, 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 you can muster up the energy, mom and dad, husband, wife, boy or girl, hear me. If in the middle of your storm, you see it all throughout Scripture, in the midst, in the midst, in the midst, not after you come out of it, but right in the middle of it. If you can praise him there, I believe the tide of battle will turn in your favor and you won't go through it near as long. Oh, my God, that, that, that will help you. Because he says... Praise him at all times. Let it constantly, perpetually. Why? Think of a Rolex. I don't have one. But think of a Rolex. Some of y'all do. 
But if you have a Rolex, let me tell you the great thing about a Rolex is it perpetually moves. That hand doesn't tick. In the ticking of the hand, watch this, you're losing time. But a Rolex is known to keep time better than any other watch. Why? Because it's perpetual. It doesn't take the milliseconds off each time it ticks. Did y'all see my body do that when I did it? Make it tick. I don't know what that was about. But check this out. When you praise God perpetually in your life, you don't lose any time. And I believe with all of my heart, I believe God will turn things around quicker for you. Notice I didn't say praying it out of your life. Just start giving him thanks for even the difficulty. Why? Because it was in that time. Hear me. It was in that time in my life. Man, oh, man, oh, man, this is good. I didn't understand the Bible. Has anybody ever picked up the Bible and read it and was more confused than when you sit down and open it the first time? Anybody besides me? Come on, show me something. Don't judge. Just hold your hand up. I would open the Word of God, but let me tell you something. When I got alone and I got by myself and I got fearful and there was no hope, I opened the Bible one day and I said, God, if it's real, if it's really you, show it to me. I want to understand it. And I got this Bible sitting in my office. You ought to come see it sometime. It is destroyed. Pages falling out, writing all the way through it. You want to really impress somebody? Write up all your Bible. Highlight the mess out of it. Somebody said this to you, go, man, they are spiritual. But you know what? My Bible was a mess. But can I tell you something? My life started coming out of that mess because my Bible was being torn apart. You know what's cool? It blew my mind. I read it, and I walked away one day, and something, I said something before I knew it, and I realized I had quoted Scripture for the first time in my life. Not some Bible verse memorization from VBS. I'm talking about something with meat in it, man, and I got it. Why? Because it was in the life's mess-ups that I learned how to pray. And I learned how to read the Bible. And I learned, hear me, and I learned how in my own lonely, despaired moment, I learned how to listen to the voice of God. Not only do we praise Him in all times with our mess-ups, but also in life's losses. February the 26th, a year and a half ago, changed my life. As a pastor, it changed my life. As a son, it changed my life. As a husband, as a father, it changed my life. My father went to be with the Lord. And as I was writing this down, I was even trying to have, I was having a hard time with thinking, how could I give thankfulness? How could I be grateful? Where's the gratitude in knowing that my father has passed over, passed on, died? All the whatever little words you want to say, bless you. I'm thankful that I was there with him when he breathed his last breath. I'm thankful that my whole entire family was gathered around his bed. I'm thankful for people like Thomaston Hospice who went above and beyond the call of duty to help us deal with a difficult time. Oh, I'm a pastor, but let me tell you something. When you're laying there and your loved one is breathing their last, let me tell you what you don't need. You don't need somebody to come in and quote Romans 8, 28. Well, you know that all things work together for you. Shut up. Do you know why? Because at that moment, you just need somebody to love on you. Let me tell you something. In life's losses, man, you can glean some incredible, incredible life lessons. You know what I take away with that? I walk away going, life is but a vapor. Here one moment and go on the next. Redeem the time. Not only praise Him in all times, but you should be thankful in all things. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Listen to what Apostle Paul said. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ concerning you. In everything give thanks. 
Not only at all times, but in all things. When we got Jeremy, came home with us from Jamaica. Where you at, brother? Me and you, man. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. At all. Couldn't spell his name. So Stephanie and I began to pray. Somebody pick that up for me or we won't be able to finish. We began to pray that God would teach him and that he would learn and, and writing would come. And I mean, man, we were like, oh, my Lord. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jeremy. You know, that all these things would happen. And, and, and we, were, we were praying and we were believing God. And, and I want to I report to you today. I want to report to you today that we praised him even in the difficult times. But today he's reading on a third to fourth grade uh, reading level. And, and he's only been here just this year. You can clap right there because I'm excited about that. And if you lived in my house, you would be excited about that too. But check this out. I mean, he and I read his first book together, uh, what, a month and a half, two months ago. And you may have heard of it. It's from Dr. Zeus. It's Green Eggs and I'm. Y'all heard that? I don't eat it with, in the house. I don't eat it with a mouse. I don't eat it here. I don't eat it anywhere. That's the way he talks in Jamaica, so just work with me. It's awesome. He read the book, Green Eggs and I'm. You say, you say, Mark, though, what do you mean? <laughs> Praise him in all things. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Keith, my son-in-law, uh, came over one day to do some work in our yard for us, and uh, he was doing it out of the greatness, generosity of his heart, and it was awesome. Plus, Stephanie was paying him. But anyway, he was over at the house working, and, and, and they got some Roundup, and they were kind of going around the beds and everything. And, 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 and later on, I came home, and, and Keith said, I, I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay, what's the man? It looks great, man. What, ha- what happened? Did you like cover up a kid out there in the pine straw? What's wrong? I mean, it's great, man. I looked over and I, he said, I saw Jeremy while I was putting the last pine straw in the bed. And Jeremy had the wand of the roundup going through the middle of your yard. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. I said, what? Who does that? Who does that? Even in, from another country, who does that? It's poison, Jeremy. It kills the lawn. I said, what was he doing? He said, and he kind of, he said, he said he was writing his name. So, 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 it takes a couple of days for Roundup to work. He said, I saturated the lawn with watermark. I did it for like 20, 30 minutes. I flooded. He was so tore up. He said, I was flooding it. He said, shouldn't be a problem. Well, let me tell you, that was a good dose of Roundup because it was a problem. If I'd have put that down and it had rained, it would have washed it away, would it not? You know that it would have. But you couldn't wash this off and get it out of with Ajax. It was done in there in seconds. So about two or three days, I had had somewhat of a difficult, crazy day, and I pulled up in the driveway there it was. Jerm. Because he didn't finish the why. I think it went kind of crazy when Keith screamed at him. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I did. I did. I promise you. God is my witness. I said, y'all don't know. You ain't lived in my house, okay? So bear with me a minute. I said, thank you, Jesus. He learned how to write. And in cursive. So, Mark, why are you crying? Well, I just really like my yard. (laughs) Seems silly, I know, but hear me. 
And my kids will attest to this. If, if my son or daughter had written their name, if they had written the Lamb of God with Roundup in my yard back in the day, I would have come unglued. But I learned by this boy coming into my life, having nothing, not even being able to write his own name, that I can find something and all things to be thankful for. Hey, all things are not good. But you can find some good in all things. Romans 8.28, now we can quote it. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord are called according to His purpose. See, God's got a purpose for Jeremy. In fact, let me just say this prophetically. It may be to live in one of your homes next year. Did y'all feel the spirit just move through? Did anybody get that? Anybody want to stand up and testify? (laughs) I'll keep praying. Scottish minister Alexander White was known for putting uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which to be grateful. One Sunday morning after the weather was so gloomy, that one church member, you know that one church. How many of y'all know that one church member? Yeah, okay. They're here too. They're maybe sitting by you. I don't know. That one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord for on this wretched, nasty, gloomy day. Ironically, check it out outside. Much to his surprise, however, Pastor White began praying so eloquently. Lord, we thank you, O God, that it is always not like this outside. See, you just got to look a little harder and find something to be thankful for as the band comes. Last one. Not only do you need to be thankful at all times, you need to be thankful in all things. Thirdly, most importantly, you should be thankful in all His glory. You should be thankful in all His glory. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Remember His marvelous works. Verse 5. Remember His marvelous works. That He hath done. His wonders and His judgments of His mouth. Remember. The way that you're going to become thankful in the glory of who God is is to remember His wondrous works. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever forget where He pulled you out of. Don't ever forget and mistakenly speak that you found Christ on such and such a date. Oh, no, 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 you didn't. You weren't even looking for Him the day He pursued you and breathed life into you for the first time. Oh, no, you didn't find him. He's never been lost. You were lost. And he redeemed you by his marvelous works. And let me tell you something. It goes back to my point. Gratitude breeds generosity. You and I are made in the likeness and the image of God. Hear me. When you as a parent want to do more for your kid when they are grateful, make no mistake about it because we see it in God's Word in Luke 17. He healed ten people, and nine kept marching on, but one, one turned back. And Jesus said, where are the nine? Don't let him say that to me, Stephen. Don't let him ask me. Mark, there were 343 people in there today. Why did just one come back? 
Well, here's the big point. The big point for you and I is that if ungratefulness yields ineffectiveness, then a grateful heart means a happy heart, which means a, a, an effective life. A grateful heart yields a happy heart, which makes for an effective life. Read that verse again, guys. The one that came back, Jesus looked at him with a little bit more of an intent posture. Where are the nine? You know the guy's answer? (laughs) He didn't have one. Because when I realize the marvelous works of God, can I tell you something respectfully? I don't look and see who else is moving. Oh, I'm going back. I'm going to turn back to him and I'm going to get on my face before him and I'm going to say, you are worthy and I'm thankful for who you are and I'm thankful for what you've done and I'm thankful for what you're going to do. If you're going through a difficult time in your life today, maybe it's because you're not thankful. Maybe you are ungrateful. And God, we wonder, why does God not pour out in our life? Why does he not heal my marriage? When was the last time that in the middle of a difficult marriage situation, you went and got in your closet and you said, thank you for my wife? Oh, but Mark, you don't really know what it's like to be married to her. Well, guess what? You chose her, and by God's sovereign, ordained plan, she is the one for you. And vice versa. Wife. Maybe you feel like the guy three or four aisles down is the guy you wish you had married. Can I tell you something? All you would be doing is trading problem for problem. The things that that guy may do, your husband may do really well, and vice versa. The reality is you plant your feet in, you dig in deeper, and you start to show some gratitude to the God who brought that person into your life. Young people, hear me. When was the last time you looked at mom and dad and said, thank you for getting up every day? Thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for working hard so that I can have clothes on my back. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for going to my games and taking me all across the world just so I can play in a soccer game. And I'm a star, and nobody knows your name. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for being a part of my life. Husbands, when was the last time you looked at your wife? And you're the one shining. Deacons, hear me. Look at your wife and say, thank you for being a supporter, for being a part of my life. Because without you, I'm not even qualified to serve the church. What I want to do today is I want to give you an opportunity, first of all, if you have not thanked Jesus for dying on the cross, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. If you don't know for certain that if you die today, that you have Jesus in your heart, He's your Savior, He's your Lord, doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you have it all figured out, it doesn't mean that, that, that you do everything right. But you can just say, Mark, I know that I know that I know that I know. And I'm a child of the Most High God. Not, yes, Mark, I've been baptized. Yes, Mark, I've joined a church. Yes, Mark, I've been confirmed. Whatever. No, no, no. Have you asked Jesus Christ to save you, to be the Lord of your life? If you know that this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to just lift your hand up real quick and back down. I know. I know that I'm a child of the King. I know that He saved me. I know that I have heaven for a home. Lift it up high and then back down. God bless you. Some hands could not go up this morning. Say, Mark, I don't know if you can know that. Well, the Bible says these things have I written unto you that you may know 
that you have eternal life. This is not a hope so gospel. When I asked my wife, December the 16th in 1989, to be my wife, I loved her, I wanted her, I desired her, but she could have said no, or she could have said, I'm not going to enter into a relationship with you. And can I submit to you, we wouldn't be married today. It's the same for you and Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's asking you to be his bride. He's asking you to take his hand. And if you say no or not now, then you are not in a relationship with Jesus. But Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and come short the glory of God. We've all failed. We've all fallen short in the great race of life. Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. It's a gift. At Christmas you'll receive gifts because of people who've worked hard and loved you and they give you something based on their merit and on their account and they give it to you but it doesn't belong to you to receive it to as many as you today receive Jesus you become a son and a daughter of the most high God would you pray with me in Romans 10 13 whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved would you pray right now from your heart to God say father in heaven I believe in you Jesus that you died for my sin I want to ask you today to save me, to be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day that I die. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer in faith today, the Bible says you were born again. Not because of the fancy prayer, but because of his grace and the faith you have in him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you lift your hand right now and just say, Mark, pray for me. I ask Jesus in my heart today. Lift it up high. God bless you, ma'am, and you, sir, and you, ma'am, and you. God bless you and you. I see about seven or eight hands. Anybody else? Just say, yeah, Mark, I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart today. God bless you, little one. God bless you, sir. You can put your hands down. Before I let you lift your heads up, I'm going to ask a few of our men and women to stand down front that are just wanting to pray with you. You're not joining the church. You're not doing anything. What you did in your heart right there is settled it forever. But here's what I want you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart right now without debate, without any kind of inhibition, get up right now and just come pray. They're just going to pray with you. I promise you. Nothing else has to happen. They just want to pray with you. But you'll take a step in faith today. Right now, would you come? Right now. Just come right now. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Just come. God bless you, sir. I know it's hard, guys, but let me tell you, the first step is the hardest one. Just take a step. There were several other hands. Would you come? Just come. God bless you. God bless you, guys. I saw some little ones out there. Just come. Also, I want to open the doors of our church. I'm going to stand right down front, right here. If God is prompting you, urging you to come be a part of Northridge Church, man, we'd love to have you to be a part of our family. You don't have a church home or if you're feeling the urgency to, to move to this place hey whatever it is i'm gonna stand right here and i just want you to come today and say yeah mark god is calling us to be here so right now i'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet if god has spoken to your heart everyone in the house stand to your feet if you just want to come shake my hand and say yeah yeah i got that today i'm gonna to show more gratitude just come shake my hand and turn around and walk away whatever god's called you to do for listening to the Northridge Church podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com.